Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Tech Doctor podcast. I'm Robert, one of the Tech Doctors, and another Tech Doctor is with me today, all the way from Australia, David Woodbridge. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very early and busy day for coming back to talk about the Apple 2020 November event, which just concluded a few minutes ago. How are you? Oh look, I'm I'm honoured to be a pseudo tech doctor now, so that's that's lovely. I'm feeling absolutely fantastic. I'm inspired. I'm I'm motivated. I've gone back to my grassroots, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm I'm feeling very uplifted. Mind you, I might get tired later on today, but for the moment, I'm uh, running on all cylinders. Fantastic, and, and you know, um, it, it's really true. Today's event was on about the Mac and. You and I have something in common, and I know it's true because I hear you talk about it. We both love the Mac. Uh, yes, I've. It's funny because everybody says to me, "What's your favorite Apple product?" And I go, "Well, the Mac's my favorite." And while I think about it, the iPhone's also my favorite. The iPad's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. It's like trying to pick your favorite child, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've got a good point. So, and look, the other thing too is, I mean, you know, back in the back, back in the dark old days, I can remember when, um, what was it, System Eight and Nine came out before Apple transitioned from the PowerPC over to Intel with um, uh, System OS, sorry, with OS Ten. They were the bad days because we lost outspoken. I think it was in Nine access to the Mac. So I thought, oh God, here we go. Mm-hmm. But I, Tiger again, ten point. I think from memory, um, back in 2005. So, you know, 15 years later, um, it's just an interesting transition to, to go through for the last, you know, almost 15 years. Well, it, it is actually 15 years. Yeah, it, it is It is fantastic. And I never really thought it would happen. And I promise I don't go too far down this road, but I was a huge fan back in the late 70s, early 80s of the Apple II and so very disappointed when the Mac came out and it was more or less not accessible. I mean, there was outspoken, but, you know, it just never was as accessible in any way, shape or form as it is now. So it, that was a big disappointment for, for quite a few years there. It was. And look, just quickly, I mean, the outspoken for the Mac back in the day was like narrator on Windows XP. You could sort of use it roughly if you really had to. Yeah. Uh, But if you didn't really have to, then you probably wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of leads us into what I think honestly is, in my opinion, the most exciting thing that has happened with the Mac since it became accessible with the Intel chips. Today, we got the announcement that Apple is, as of today, releasing three new Macs running their own silicon, which which they call the M1 chip this time. And this means that the Mac is finally able to behave much more like the iOS devices in the sense that it's instant on and it's great battery life and it's very fast. It's all the things that we've come to know and love in the iPhone because of the custom chip that they designed for the iPhone and iPads and all the iOS devices have come to the Mac. I mean, isn't that terribly exciting? 
Oh, look, to me, it's the integration that I've always been looking for because particularly when you can see now that you can do a couple of things that you can do now. So you can run, they were talking about universal binary, so that's where a, a, an, an app produced will run on iOS and the Mac. And back in the day, there was this good old thing called Rosetta, which a lot of people remember. Now we've got Rosetta 2. What Rosetta 2 does, it allows you to run Intel-based apps still on the actual Mac new architecture. So if your favorite iOS app, so to speak, because we haven't tested this yet, because it's only brand new, um, that doesn't have a universal binary yet for the Mac, uh, chances are you can still run it. So I'm really looking forward to see what's going to happen. Me too. And so Rosetta 2 is the way to run apps that haven't gotten the universal binary. And we should just say maybe that the universal binary, as they're defining it, is developers designing apps that will run on either the new M1 Macs or on the old, old as of a few minutes ago, Intel Macs, right? I mean, that, 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 that's the idea behind the universal binary. It was interesting because they, they split the chips up, didn't they, when they were talking about, they mentioned the, they were talking about the A chip. So that was going to, that's in the iOS product. So the iPhone, I've touch an iPad. And then they're talking about the M chip. So, and I, I thought, oh yeah, that's right. Because they always talk about the, you know, the A12 and the, the A this. I thought, oh yeah, that, that rings a bell. So, um, so now we've got the A chip and now we've got the M chip. And it's quite funny, because just as I was thinking, I thought, M1. I've got a freeway that links up Sydney to Newcastle about uh, four kilometres away from my house, and it's called the M1. Oh, that is funny. I can say now my new MacBook, whatever's going to be, is is the M1 superhighway. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, so it's interesting that one of the things that they highlighted in discussing this new M1 chip is that it's, it's integrated... Uh, the things that used to require multiple chips in, in into one chip, which makes the transferring uh, of information from from the processor to memory and so forth m- much more efficient. So these these new Macs are a lot faster and a lot more efficient w- with with this 16 billion transistor. M1 chip. Isn't that amazing? The five five nanometer, whatever it was. Was it the five nanometer? Yeah. Whatever it was anyway. It was very tiny. Um, but, yeah, that's incredible. And, look, because as soon as you start introducing um, different pro- – sorry, different architecture into a, a computer where you've got to – this passes off that process and this passes off another process, when you can put that process all in one chip, the efficiencies and you know the thermal stuff prevent not overheating the machine um, is going to be absolutely amazing. So that's why the machine's so, excuse the language, bloody quick because mm-hmm. it tunes along now. It doesn't have to go. I'll just wait for that other little chip to get back to me. It's like no, no, no. I'm all here. I've got my eight cores ready to go. The CPU is ready to go. Uh, the GPU is ready to go. The neural engine is ready to go. The security enclave is ready to go because I'm all in one chip and let's just get on with it. Yeah, and they were talking about how you're getting the same performance as a dual-core uh, MacBook Pro but in a, in a much, much more efficient manner um, So and at much lower power. 
So it, it's it's a win-win for anyone who especially wants to use a Mac laptop because you're you're going to get so much better battery life and better performance. And I guess we might as well stop burying the lead and talk about which Macs were introduced. The first one that came along was a new MacBook Air. And what did you, what are your thoughts about about the new MacBook Air? Look, especially for me now, look, honestly, I want all three of these new machines. So <laughs> um, one of them is special to me because I want all of them. They're all special. But the Mac Air that caught my attention was just, and this really goes for the other one that we'll talk about in a minute, but that's the instant on. Like you literally just open up the lid and the, and the thing's there going, come on, hurry up, quick, I'm ready, what are you doing? Um, so that's going to be really, really good. And the battery life in the air is up to 18 hours. I have never heard of a computer, uh, Mac, Mac, MacBook in particular, that has 18 hours of battery life. So that's just going to be incredible. And because we're using Zoom and other video conferencing facilities these days, uh, having a crisp image uh, with your face on the screen not being pixelated so much, that sort of stuff, is also very fantastic. And I thought it was interesting when we were talking about the um, how well the chip runs is the fact that the Mac Air does not have a fan in it because it, it's so well done on the, the thermal balancing for the temperature control and how the, well the chip runs in, in, in low voltage. You don't need something to cool the chip down because it doesn't really get that hot. So I thought that's just absolutely incredible architecture. And I think Apple is really moving ahead quite rapidly in what they're doing with um, computer chips these days. Yeah, and you know, the fact that it's completely silent in a way and and the size that it is, it's such a small computer. It, it, it kind of, for me, I think will be more valuable to me than the iPad actually is because I I just love I don't think it's going to be much more trouble to carry around than than an iPad. No, and I think remember the demo I think they did of the MacBook Air originally where they just took it out of a vanilla 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 an envelope. I was going to say vanilla envelope. Yeah, took, of, took it out of an envelope and said, "Here's a Mac." And I was like, "My God, if it if it fits in an envelope that you can post in the mail, um, that's pretty cool." Um, my person that I work with at Apple here in Australia said the chime is back. Because I know people get, you know, I've got chimes on my Mac because I put it back in again. So I'm not too sure. Me about too. She did mention to me that the chime's back. And I thought, ah, that makes me feel so much better. Because when I was talking about, you know, when we were talking about being silent, I thought, yeah, that's all really good. But, you know, sometimes back in the bad old days, I used to stick my ear on my Toshiba laptop to see if the fan was running, if the computer was on, because speech wasn't running. So just having that initial lovely startup sound chime uh, really makes it, you just feel reinsured that the Mac is indeed starting out. Mind you, it starts up so fast, it probably doesn't matter. But having it there anyway will be quite nice. Yeah, I agree. And they did play a video at the very end. You might have already left after Tim had finished. And they, someone opened the lid on the new MacBook Air and you heard that chime. So it is definitely there. Yeah, I, that was when I, I, I had to go and wake my boys up because I thought, oh, it's getting close to time. I better be a good a good dad and um, and do what I'm told rather than getting stuck to the uh, Apple TV all the time. Yeah. But no, look, it's really exciting. And like I said, 18 hours of battery life, um, it's pretty amazing. So that machine will just have just uh, – it's a bit hard to explain it because I just was saying 
uh, the person from Apple this morning, it's just so hard to get your mind around how more efficient and productive because of the iOS apps and the Mac apps that have all, all also been updated, like Pages and Numbers, Logic Pro, Final Cut, and everything else has been updated. It's hard to get your mind around just how more productive this machine is going to allow people to be. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this chip, um, they said it has eight cores, and it said, they said it's three and a half times faster than the Intel MacBook Air. Um, five time, five time faster graphics performance, and you can edit multiple streams of 4K video on this machine. And this is the MacBook Air. I know it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's just it, it, for such a what's a word for it? For such a, a low end, powerful machine, <laughs> it, it sounds funny to put those two words together, isn't it? Low end and powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the entry level MacBook. Uh, when you don't want to go to a you know a MacBook Pro or anything else, but no, it's just incredible. So, like I said, I'd I'd, I'd love all these three Macs that we're going to talk about today because they've, they've they just fit a niche in each particular one. Still got the wedge shaped design. It has Touch ID, and it starts at the price of nine ninety nine US. I don't know what that is in Australia. I re- well, the current, well, if it's the same price, the new starting Mac, sorry, the 2020 Mac Air Intel is fifteen ninety nine in Australia. Um, so, you know, that's because I, I said on Twitter as we go to, as we do the recording today, I said on Twitter, I've got $1,600 sitting in my little TARDIS bank account. Um, and I just thought, oh, I really want a Mac Air. And the next thing we're going to talk about, I went, oh, no, no, I want a Mac <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I was very surprised by the next Mac that they announced, and and I guess I shouldn't have been. I just didn't think of it. Was they they have put the M1 chip in the Mac Mini? What what did you think of that one? That was that was that was pretty amazing because I my first introduction to the Mac back in the day in two thousand and five was actually a Mac Mini. Because uh, this person wandered into then the Royal Blind Side and said, I use a Mac. Uh, how can I use it? And I went, oh, God, who on this earth wants to use a Mac, for God's sake? And I, I remember I spent 100 hours teaching myself the Mac inside and out so I could support mm. customer and client properly. And then ever since then, it's like, oh, my God, who'd ever want to use a Windows computer now? So um, I, and I remember my first introduction to this lady I've been working with since 2008 at Apple. My first question to her was, so... How come I have to buy a monitor to run with my Mac Mini here? Because I'm blind and I shouldn't have to plug in a monitor, he says. Uh, and it was very, it was jokingly today because I said the same thing to her. I said, remember back in 2008, November, when a new Mac Mini was introduced, I was whinging about it. And she went, yeah, yeah I remember it quite well. Let's just move on, shall we? Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Mac Mini at uh, that the price that's going to be on it, and I think it was $699 US. That's an incredible price. And the M1 chip, um, the fact that you know you can just whack in your own keyboard, your mouse, your trackpad. Um, if you want to use a monitor, go for it. If you don't want to use a monitor, don't worry about it. You can plug in all the stuff into the back, which has normally got lots of ports and everything else. So, um, and the speed of this thing is just incredible because it's literally a desktop Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It literally is, and it, they said that it's three times faster than the previous quad core version. Mm-hmm. So it's really going to be great for developers. A six-fold increase in graphic performance 
And it, just a funny thing that they gave the stat that the mini is one tenth the size of the comparable PC that's out there. I know, isn't that, isn't that amazing? Because again, it's all that that architecture all coming together, and you know, God, God knows what size the motherboard is inside this thing because it must be very very tiny. Um, but no, look, it's just incredible. Again, and look, the, I, I used to always say back in the day, look, if you don't need a an iMac and you don't need a laptop, um, don't waste your money and just get a just get a Mac Mini. So, for those people that again want to get into the entry level market and want to get into a Mac in particular. Um, then you can't go anything wrong for Mac Mini, particularly now we've got, we've got the M1 chip. All the goodness that you get in a MacBook Air, you're going to get that absolute goodness um, in a Mac Mini now. Absolutely. And there was a third Mac with the M1 chip, which is the 13-inch MacBook Pro. And I, I've always bought MacBook Pros. That's been my go-to Mac for many years. So what do you think of this new 13-inch MacBook Pro with the M1 chip? Um, look, I, I'm, a, I'm sort of an in-between person. I'm an in-between an Air and, and a MacBook Pro user because I do use some stuff that requires a bit more oomph out of the machine, so that's why the, the MacBook Pro is important. Most of my daily stuff I can get by on the just the MacBook Air. So, uh, But when it comes to like doing my podcasts and recording and that sort of stuff, I do like the MacBook Pro, and I fell in love with the MacBook Pro 16 that I had on loan from Apple, Um, but unfortunately had to go back. I I said I couldn't keep it, unfortunately. So this reminds me of the performance I'm going to get out of the MacBook Pro 16 um, because it's got studio microphones. Um, I don't know what the sound's like. It probably doesn't have the same spatial sound effect that the MVP 16 is going to or has, but... um, for that sort of stuff, I, I'm, I'm quite willing to, you know, put up with the sacrifice of still getting an M1 chip. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I, I personally have the 16-inch MacBook Pro. That's what I'm recording this podcast on. And I have loved it, even though it's way bigger than what I'm used to, because I normally would buy the 13-inch. But I've thoroughly enjoyed the 16-inch MacBook Pro. And that's the reason that I believe I'm going to add the Air, because I don't really need another pro at this point but the air would be delightful for carrying around i'm imagining you know not that i'm lazy or anything but i'm imagining using it in bed i'm imagining just having it available whenever i want to sit outside and and do some work or enjoy some media it it, it just it seems like a, a great machine for that but anyway i digress we're actually talking about the pro here (laughs) <laughs> I'm a little excited about this. Look, look, I, I, I see, I see the the 16 as the mothership, and then you're just using the air as a little shuttle to take you down to the the rest of the proletariat on the planet. I love that. Then you go back to the mothership. So, um, but now look, I, I, I have. I mean, I, I've always got a MacBook Air and a, a MacBook Pro of some sort. Um, I've got two of them because. The MacBook Pro normally just stays at home, and my, and my Mac Air travels around with me all over the place. Um, it goes with me outside of my my lovely day bed outside in the in the sunshine here in Australia because it's summertime and all that sort of stuff. So, but the, and the, I was interesting about the MacBook Pro 13 because they also mentioned it had they didn't mention the word fan. They they said active cooling system. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's some sort of fancy thermal venting going on or whether it's actually got a fan. But I just thought it was interesting when they said the Air doesn't have a fan. 
but the MBP 613 does have an, have an active cooling. So I'll be interested to see what the active cooling is all about. Yeah, I wonder if the chips are used differently enough that they generate more heat. You, you, would, you would think that it would be the same, but we don't know all those details. And I'm assuming the other thing, I mean, I'm assuming in the MVP, I wonder if they've actually ramped up um, how much faster the chip's actually running, because I'm assuming on the on the air, they've probably ramped the performance of the chip down a bit to get the you know, the better performance out, particularly because it doesn't have a fan to keep the heat down. So I'm just wondering in the in the 13 um, MacBook Pro, wherever they've gone, right, we've got an active cooling system, let's just ramp up this thing to hoon along. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I understand, with these chips, like in the um, in the iOS A chip, um, these chips basically ramp up the performance when they need to, and then when they don't need to ramp up the performance, they just go back to down to a, a lower state. So again, that's why you're getting extended battery life because the machine's taking care of all that sort of neural engine type stuff, monitoring what's actually being done on the computer. Exactly, and that battery life in the Pro, you may have mentioned already, but it's really quite phenomenal. 17 hours of web browsing and 20 hours video playback. I know, so my so my screen time that currently tells me on my iPhone that I'm roughly averaging around about 20 hours uh, average in a week uh, for screen time. I don't quite know how that works because I definitely sleep five hours a day. Um, I can match that now on my new MacBook Air something, M1. Um, so I'll have the benefit of both 20 hours a day on my iPhone usage and 20 hours a day on my MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, or Mac Mini. That means you can never take an hour off. You're going to have to work 24 hours a day because you've got enough battery life to do it now. Well, look, absolutely. And I, and I, because I got, I was, um, I was talking to my friend at Apple um, while we we're doing the listening to the keynote this morning, and I kept saying, but, 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 I know I can only use one machine at once, but. I really want to have all these three machines because I just love the fact that how it's come from PowerPC to Intel to the M1 chip now with Apple. And I was just gobsmacked that they, I thought, oh, yeah, they're just going to talk about the MacBook Air. Then they talked about the Mac Mini, and then they talked about the MacBook Pro. And I thought there was no way that I didn't even think there was even gossip about the Mac Mini or the, the MacBook uh, 13. They were always talking about the Air. Yeah. That's that's what I heard in the rumor mill. And, you know, it's just amazing to me that Apple has done all this technology this year. So many people having to work from home and all this craziness going on. This has really been a productive year for Apple. That's right. And and look, the the fact that it was actually interesting, Robert, I don't know if you caught this in the the audio description, because again, being virtual, it was audio described. Mm -hmm. All the person could talk about what the computer was. The audio description said the, the, the chips and the keyboard all come together in the new MacBook Air, in the new MacBook Pro, in the Mac Mini. So the audio description actually gave it away in some ways. Yeah, it did. Uh-huh, yep. It sure did. That was oh, funny. About that, but, uh, but the audio description, again, was, um, was really well done. Because particularly of all that video stuff about all the magic of the chips and the keyboard and the other components coming together, I, I just thought that was really magical. It was. And it's 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 the same uh, weight, basically same three pound uh, design, um, and it's 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 going to start at twelve ninety nine US. So these things are are I think they are very serious about wanting people to get into these new Apple Silicon based Macs. 
What do you have any any idea, David? Any thoughts about what we should expect accessibility wise? I mean, you know, I'm really curious to see. Um, I'm going to buy it probably today, and because I want it so badly, and I want to start experimenting with it. But but I wonder what we can expect things to be like. That's what I don't know because you know we're we're. It was, you'd actually think, oh, hang on a minute. So we've got voiceover on the Mac and we've got voiceover on iOS. How do those two marry together? So that's going to be interesting because I'm assuming when the iOS apps run on the Mac, you're going to have to be using the trackpad because we always know, we know already that we've got, of course, we've got voiceover trackpad commander. Mm-hmm. So that functionality is going to be extended to allow you to flick left and right and use your rotor, and it's going to have all the other stuff. Of course, we've got our full keyboard access because we've got that already on iOS. So I don't think the leap to imagine, because every time there's new technology, I know people out there, they start groaning and moaning, oh, there's no way that voice that Apple's going to make voiceover work on the Apple Watch. Uh, there's no way that Apple's going to make it work on the Apple TV. Um, so I'm 100% confident that's going to work. Um, hopefully if I order my Mac today, I think they said they're available, or the order starts today, so they'll be available, I think it was actually next week, um, that people can get their hands on them, so um, hopefully mine will come straight away, um, when I can aggressively work out which one I want, um, Yeah. start work today, um, but no, and look, worst comes to the worst, I'm just going to, I'm just going to jump on a train, get into Apple, sit with my friend at Apple, and um, we'll go through the couple of Macs, and, and, and have a look, and have a play, but I just can't see there's going to be any reason, but I've just got a new series to do on the Mac. Um, I mean, that's how I got into podcasting. I did a whole series on using the Mac. So I think now after 15 years, I'm going to do a whole new series on the Mac from both the um, iOS point of view. And we forgot to mention, Robert, Big Sur is available because that's what's tying the software and the hardware together. It's Big Sur, the new operating system from Apple, and that's also going to be available on the new Macs as well. Do you have any experience with Big Sur and voiceover? I do. Um, I've been running the beta for a while. I must say it's much more stable. There's a few little idiosyncrasy things that I don't quite like. For example, at the moment when you go to the extras menu, normally when you go to the Wi-Fi, it says, you know, Wi-Fi, 3-3 bars, David's Wi-Fi network. Well, it doesn't say the network that you're on. It just says 3-3 bars. You've then got to go bring up the control center, which you do by doing the, uh, the VO spacebar contraption spacebar. And then you can read it. So to me, that's a lot more inefficient than just having it say, you know, you're on the right network, what is network or David's network. So little things like that. Um, some web pages seem to not quite behave itself properly. But mind you, I'm running this on a 2013 Mac Air. Right. So I'm looking forward to see what it does on the, on, on the new Macs. But... Um, I know somebody on Twitter, I mentioned today, they said they weren't very enthusiastic about the new Macs because it's new hardware and old voiceover. And I thought, you know what? It, like any computer, it always depends on the tasks you have to do. Now, all the tasks that I have to do for my work, which is research, evaluation, writing documentation, doing podcasts, doing Zoom meetings, attending conferences, keeping notes, doing mail, all that sort of stuff. I can do 101% absolutely perfectly on a Mac. And if VoiceOver doesn't have all the whiz-bang, make-your-breakfast-in-the-morning type stuff that other screen readers do on Windows, I don't care because all my tasks are completely doable with VoiceOver on the Mac. I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I have to use Windows and JAWS for a web application that 
that we use at work that just really somehow seems to require that. I mean, it it can be run on the Mac, but it, it, it works better with jaws. But I have to say that, that the thing that's so frustrating to me is the inconsistency. Like some days a dialogue will read correctly. Some days it won't. Um, I have to reboot a lot more often and, and fiddle with it to make it work. And I just don't have to do that kind of thing nearly as much on the Mac. And to me, that's worth a lot. It is. And it's also worth a lot that my screen reader works all the goddamn time. It yeah. Stop. Things like, well, there's no speech running, there's no sound. And the thing I hate about JAWS in particular is your access video driver is not connected. Please reboot your machine. I thought, I've already done that five times. Mm-hmm. I thought, I don't have to do that with voiceover on the Mac. I mean, that's old-fashioned stuff that should be back in the 1990s, not in, not in 2020. So, you know, to me, the, this, I mean, I've got a Surface Pro here on my desk that I use for testing at work, and there's a few Windows applications that I've got to use as well. But I would have to be dragged kicking and screaming in chains to even contemplate using a Windows computer full-time because, like I said, everything I can do, I use a Mac. Everything's integrated with um, handoff. I can unlock my Mac with my Apple Watch. Um, I can hand off stuff via AirDrop to any other Apple device I feel like. Um, I can AirPlay to the Apple TV. I mean, there is just so much integration going on. And who knows what's going to happen with this M1 chip now. I just think... Wow, I can just have one machine that does my iOS and my Mac apps together. Um, so I can, you know, hopefully, I'm, I'm assuming this is going to happen. So I can use, I can use Audible.com on my on my Mac. Probably I can use the Kindle app. I can do all these other things that I, I can I can do, and I don't have to drag out my iPhone or my iPad if I don't want to. So I just think this is the start. And like everything new, yes, I know this is a new machine and it's big, sir, and things are happening. So I guess my advice to people, if, you, if you're a first adopter like I am, and like you are, Robert, um, go for it. But if you're a bit a bit unsure about what's going on, then, you know, sit back for a couple of months and just wait till the dust settles and, and see what happens. But um, I love jumping into these new adventures. I mean, to me, I was just saying to somebody this morning, I, I feel like I'm, a, I'm on a quest of a wave. The sun shines just coming up over the horizon, and we don't know what to expect in the future. And that's the, exactly the way I'm feeling at the moment. I'm just so excited about this new Mac. Me too. And and if, if, if we can work it out scheduling-wise, I would love it if we could get back together on this podcast in, in a few weeks once we've had some experience with these new Macs and, and share our experiences. I think that would be really fun to do. Look, it, it would be, and, and I'm going to have some chats with Apple in the US and Apple in Australia, and I'm just going to try and get to the bottom of what's what with all the iOS stuff going on, how VoiceOver integrates, um, the trackpad, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the um, mouse does with the speakable items in VoiceOver on the Mac already, and how that integrates back to running an iOS app. So there's lots of questions to be asked, um, but I'm sure, as usual, Apple's got all the answers. I just haven't asked the appropriate question yet, so... Again, I'm looking forward. There's a lot of things to try out, but it's really funny. I, I I feel like I've gone back to my grassroots almost because, you know, I was jokingly before saying that, you know, I've got a favorite. I haven't got a really got a favorite, but, you know, between my iPhone and my Mac, um, they're both, you know, both head and head together. But since I started using a Mac 15 years ago, it's still always been my favorite machine. So people say to me, you know, are you an iPhone user? Uh, iPhone using it? No, I'm a Mac user, and then I'm an iPhone user. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the machine that I go to 
almost all day long because of, I'm on doing most of my work these days on Zoom. I'm working from home because of the pandemic, and it would be so much more difficult to do it with without without the advantage of the the MacBook Pro. So it is very exciting. I can't wait to get off this podcast. No offense to you, and go order this thing. <laughs> Because it's really going to be fun, and 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 I'm sure there'll be some hurdles, and but like you, you know, to me, and it isn't for everyone, but to me, it's the excitement of of the of being an early adopter, the excitement of having the adventure with it. That's what I'm looking forward to. And it's live on in the Apple stores back online as we speak, Robert. So, um, like you said, we're going to we'll end up and go and order. So I've got to work out which one I want between the MacBook Air and the and the Pro. Um, I'm going to see if I can borrow a, a Mac Mini, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So, you go off and order. I'll go off and order, and in a couple of weeks' time, well, like you said, we'll get back onto the podcast and we'll compare notes. Sounds great. Thanks a lot for being here. What an exciting event, and I'm so glad we had the chance to talk about it. And I'm sorry that Allison wasn't able to join us today, but she's otherwise occupied. So, you and I had to hold down the fort, and I sure appreciate it, David. That's okay. My pleasure. And I'll stop talking because I just think if we start talking again, I won't stop talking about the Mac. So uh, as I normally say in my normal podcasts, um, thanks for listening, guys, and I will talk to you next time. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll be back again soon with more about the new hot, exciting M1 Apple Silicon chip on the Mac. This is Robert, the tech doctor, saying so long for now.